That's exciting. Our next guest, Associate Professor Caitlin Burt from uh, the ANU Australian National University, is part of uh, what is a pretty exciting uh, operation uh, with, along with a group called Lunaria One. Lunaria One, a space startup where they're planning to grow plants on the moon as early as 2025. Professor Caitlin Burt, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? Well, the first we're, we're great. I, I guess the first question is why? This is a really exciting challenge, both from a biology perspective and an engineering perspective, and can have spin-offs for how we actually manage food security on Earth. So, but but how does it work? Like, I I only I'm I'm the I'm the deal of this relationship here. Uh, Professor Burt, my friend Will knows quite a bit about space. I only I only discovered an hour ago that there there was apparently uh, some water on the moon, but I I would have thought that you know whatever small reservoirs of water there are, what is it either pole of the moon that the conditions would be so inhospitable that this would be impossible. And once Earth was like that too. There's a uh, long time ago. Um, the Earth was barren, the Earth was dry. Uh, some of the predictions think that it was actually asteroids uh, with ice crashing into Earth that started to help to produce um, you know, the opportunity to have water on Earth. And, of course, once there was no plants either. Um, so plants were able to um, evolve on a barren Earth a long time ago, which makes it feasible that it could possibly happen on other planets. So are the sorts of plants you're talking about using then, uh, Professor... Are they similar to the first mosses and things that, that uh, evolved on Earth? Well, we've been exploring this type of plant called a resurrection plant. And those type of plants, um, some of them have evolved in desert areas where you can have huge long periods of time of no water. And what they do is they dry out to sometimes within a tiny proportion of their usual water content. And they go into kind of like a stasis. And then as soon as the season changes and there's rain available, they come back into bloom again. So they've already evolved mechanisms to, you know, pause their biology, you know, sit in a stasis form and then actually come back to life, which is the type of mechanism that you could imagine would be really handy if you're planning to take uh, plants on space travel where you might want them to, you know, just go into stasis for a while and then come back to life to be able to produce um, food and things for, for people on space trips. Without wanting to sound too much like Jeff Goldblum in the first Jurassic Park, <laughs> um, plant life uh, begat animal life on Earth, did it not? So is, is, there a, is there a risk that you're sort of interfering with the order of things on the moon by doing this? There is a risk that we're interfering with the order of things because before plants there were microbes. So really, if we're going to be sensible about it, <laughs> we start, might start with the microbial life forms. Mm. So in the context of um, evolution, you had uh, single-celled little prokaryotic organisms, and then from there, uh, we actually think that some of those organisms kind of swallowed other organisms, and though that swallowing enabled a symbiotic relationship between those organisms that then led to greater complexity, which is like a eukaryotic-type cell, which led to you know, the plant kingdom and the animal kingdom. Uh, and then from those types of cells, we actually got multicellular organisms. So that process happened on Earth. It's not like we're trying to instantly recreate that mm. process yeah, on sure. the moon. <laughs> At this stage, it's, it's 
really the, the key outcomes of doing this experiment are that we're hoping and planning to be able to have uh, parallel experiments um, in schools and available to the public on Earth as we run on the moon. Mm. So that means we're going to have multiple terrarium-like containments um, with the plants that we select for this trip, and kids are going to be able to watch their plants live whilst watching uh, footage come in from the moon to see how the plants on the moon are performing. So the name of the project is ALIS, so Australian Lunar Experiment for Promoting Horticulture, and we think that this is a super cool way to get kids involved in thinking about plant biology. It actually sounds like there is no doubt in your, in your mind that this, this will work, Professor. Well, there's a whole pile of teams around the world who have had success in growing um, plants on space missions, on the International Space Station. Uh, so we're not coming in here, um, you know, doing this sort of first thing on, on no precedent. Mm. There, there are a number of teams, and, and, and of course NASA's done some really pioneering work in this, in this area. Uh, one of the things that we're really excited about is the engineering side from both mm. the, the terrarium itself and also the capability to optimise crops for the really challenging environments of space. Because the spin-offs from that is that you would be able to have the knowledge to be able to build systems and have plants that can be used in really challenging environments. And that has applications for things like you know, post-disaster recovery. So one of the examples that, um, you know, we've been talking about is, you know, how in January there was the Hunga Tonga eruption and, you know, more recently there was Hurricane Ian. You have an area where there's communities that are really devastated by, um, you know, a disaster event. And, you know, humans will um, work towards being able to, say, drop food to help those communities in need. And then there's an interim period where they still haven't rebuilt, um, but what are they going to use to to propagate food? So if you imagine this kind of system, if you can send it to the moon and still grow food, then you can send it to those mm. communities and be like, here we go, this is how we're going to do it, and you're going to have like fresh leafy greens for your for your diet whilst you're rebuilding um, if you've experienced uh, a disaster and you're trying to recover from it. So I think that the knowledge aspect is... Um, a key part of it, as well as the opportunity to interact with schools and get kids involved. Fascinating science, mm. uh, and with practical application on Earth too. Um, loved you, love speaking with you, Associate Professor Caitlin Burt from yeah, thanks, the Australian Professor. National University. The between things like that and the Artemis mission, uh, that's that's going to take off at some point, uh, presumably. Suddenly, the moon feels really close again. We we spent about forty years of no, the moon being sort of an irrelevance, largely uh, been there, done that, but now it's. It's back in a big way. The moon, it's back. The moon's back. I'm calling it. <laughs> David, I'm calling it. The moon is back.